health information from experts, supported by research. From University of Utah Health, this is thescoperadio.com. Facial paralysis can happen to a person for a variety of reasons, from nerve damage to disease, as well as conditions like Bell's palsy. And while there are many treatments available to give back a person's ability to move their face or treat acute facial droop, for patients with long-standing paralysis or incomplete muscle recovery, a surgery may be the best option to reanimate their face. It's called Free Functional Muscle Transfer, or FFMT for short. And to help us better understand the procedure and how it can help someone get back their smile, we're joined by Dr. Robert Teixeira. He is an assistant professor of surgery within the Division of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery at University of Utah Health. Dr. Teixeira, let's start with the basics. What exactly is a free functional muscle transfer? So free functional muscle transfer is... It's really like a transplant of your own muscle to somewhere else. We're specifically talking about, you know, doing this for facial reanimation. So it's taking a muscle from somewhere else in your body and transplanting it to your face to rehook up the blood vessels, to rehook up nerves, and to anchor that muscle such that it'll provide a new function like smiling. If we're doing a transplant, like we've had pieces on before. I've I've had Bell's palsy. We've had pieces before talking about some of the ways to other ways that we can treat, say, nerves to fix, you know, facial droop, et cetera. But like, why would FFMT be a good option for certain types of patients? Generally, the they're the patients who have some sort of facial paralysis that don't get any better after a year or more. And they have a bad chance of recovery. You know, we talk about Bell's palsy, how most people get better within, start to get better within a few weeks. And if not, then it could be a few months. But if they still don't get better after that year mark, that's when we can start looking at doing a free functional muscle transfers. So when you say long-standing um, symptoms or facial paralysis, are we talking like, you know, three, four months, like someone with Bell's palsy, that's when they should start looking at something like a muscle transfer surgery? Or is it longer? How long should they be experiencing paralysis before this is an option? Generally, most patients ex- experience at least a year, if not more, paralysis prior to undergoing free functional muscle transfer. The reason why we do it that way is to make sure that they don't recover their face from their facial palsy. Oh, sure. Because it's a big surgery to undergo. So you want to make sure that they're not going to get better on their own before doing something so drastic. Oh, if that makes any sense. Understood. I mean, because, yeah, it sounds pretty, I mean, as a layperson, it's sounding uh, pretty intense. I mean, you're harvesting a muscle from somewhere else and putting it on my face. Like, I mean, it can be really impactful to lose movement in your face. I mean, what are some of the symptoms or kind of outcomes or struggles that people with facial paralysis deal with on a daily basis that, you know, might lead them to consider an operation like this? The most common part of the face that we reanimate with the muscle that we use with free functional muscle transfer is for smile. So it's, you know, we smile and we have all these dynamic movements of our mouth and it's so important in communication when patients lose that ability, it can definitely have devastating consequences even from like a psychological aspect too so this is where uh, this is where you know it affects 
doing the surgery can affect, improve that smile. It can improve quality of life. It can actually help improve oral competence. So that means not drooling. Really? Also help improve some aspect of speech too. Wow. So we, we, you basically are taking a muscle or two in the face that controls the smile and replacing it with a new muscle. Is that kind of, are you swapping them? Are you like, like what is, you know, is how, how is that going on? What's going on there? So what happens is when you get facial palsy, long standing, the muscles in the face don't fire anymore. And so they actually sh- shrivel down a little. Wow. And when that happens, you lose that volume of that face. So when we do the surgery to transplant the muscle, we actually just kind of put it right on top of it. And we attach the muscle to an area nearby your cheek and then attach it to the area nearby your mouth to help provide that uh, dynamic smile. Wow. Okay. That's that's impressive. And so you're bringing along what nerves and blood flow like, you know, is it is there any difference in, say, the transplanted muscle and the muscle that they had before? Generally, the muscle that we transplant is much bigger than the muscle they had before. And so we do a lot of things before we transfer it. One thing that we like to do is try to decrease the volume of the muscle and the weight of the muscle. Because the muscle that we generally take is called the gracilis muscle. It's on the inside of your thigh. It's a redundant muscle in terms of your thigh functioning. And it's, you know, because it's from your thigh, it's much larger than anything in your face. So we really try to shave it down. With regards to what we bring with it, in order to do a successful free functional muscle transfer, we need to reconnect arteries. We need to, one artery, we need to reconnect one vein, at least. And we need to reconnect the nerve to help power that muscle and eventually power that function down the road. Okay, so going back a little bit, you just said that it's a redundant muscle. Like, I don't know. I just assumed that all my muscle, like I needed them all. Like, is if you're harvesting a muscle from, say, my thigh, like, is there do is there any like complications or lack or loss of function in my leg? So the muscle that we take in the thigh is called the, the gracilis muscle. That muscle is definitely considered a redundant muscle. We use it in plastic surgery, not just for free functional muscle transfer for facial reanimation or even upper extremity reanimation. We also just use that muscle to help cover wounds elsewhere in the body. Oh. It's probably one of the most commonly harvested muscles for us. People can have complications at that donor site, such as bleeding, infections, fluid collections. But overall, complications like that are pretty low. But after I heal, like, I mean, am I going to be walking funny or am I just, you know, is it that redundant? You won't even notice. Wow. Okay. Unless if you were maybe some sort of high level Olympic athlete who oh, did sure. okay. some sort of niche thing where you fired your gracilis but <laughs> sure the vast majority of people myself included no so this thigh muscle the gracilis you you say that you use it a lot but is there other muscles that are taken for these types of procedures there are a couple other muscles that can be used generally the muscles that we choose need to be thin and small because we're replacing those type of small muscles in the face a couple other options are the pectoralis minor which is underneath your pec major in your chest another small muscle. Another muscle people have talked about using is one of the feet muscle on the top of your foot called extensor digitorum brevis. Both of these muscles 
they're just not as good as a gracilis, but they are options in case someone didn't want their thigh operated on. Why don't we talk about, say, say a patient has experienced facial paralysis for a long time. You know, they've maybe tried some other options and it's not quite working for them. On the day of the procedure, what does that look like? You know, is this an outpatient procedure? Are they in there for, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours overnight? Like, what can they expect the day of the surgery? So this surgery is a longer procedure. It takes generally at least six hours, if not more. It is not an outpatient procedure. You will need to be admitted to the ICU right afterwards. ICU mostly just for monitoring the blood vessel and the reconstruction that we did. Because when we reconnect any sort of blood vessel in the body, there's a chance that those blood vessels can clot off. And the chance, the time that they would cut off would be normally within the first 48 hours. Okay. So our protocol here is to any sort of free functional muscle transfer, they go to the ICU for at least 48 hours post-op. Then after that, probably an extra two, three days in the hospital, such that they'll be outside of the hospital by post-op day four or five, ready for discharge. Okay. And, and during that time period, you're doing the harvesting and the, you know, the facial... Uh, reanimation? A lot of times we like to do this procedure as a two-team approach. Oh, wow. So me and one of my partners will proceed with this. And so one of us will be harvesting the muscle. So that means finding the muscle in the thigh. Mm. The gracilis muscle is the most commonly taken one. Finding that muscle, finding those blood vessels, finding the nerve to it, making sure that they're all clean and looking healthy. Okay. And at the same time, other uh, my other partner would be working in the face, more or less making a kind of a facelift incision. Okay, making a little pocket to put the muscle in, mm-hmm. finding the blood vessels for us to connect to. Okay, such that everything goes smoothly, and then finally finding a good nerve to power the muscle transfer, mm-hmm. the muscle transplant down the road. There are a bunch of different options for that. One of the most commonly used ones, the masseter muscles, which is one of the muscles on the side of your jaw when you bite down. Oh, okay. What, six hours? Is that what you're saying? Um, give or six take. Six hours, eight hours. Sure. Yeah. Um, in the hospital for a couple of days for observation, just making sure everything worked out. Um, what happens recovery-wise? Like after they are discharged from the hospital, like how long until, you know, they start to heal until they can start to move their face again? Is there physical therapy? Like, you know, you just moved a muscle around. Can you just start smiling after you're out of the hospital or does it take some time? After this type of surgery, it's a big surgery. So there's going to be a lot of bruising. There's going to be a lot of swelling. Patients could be having some pain afterwards. After a couple weeks, generally those things die down. And then there's a long waiting period for that, for the nerves to reconnect. Okay. So what happens is because we reconnect the nerves, those nerves go from their cut end from the face into the muscle. And that time period, it could be about six months before it starts firing, mm. if not a little bit more. And then as it starts to fire, it'll eventually get stronger. And okay. depending on the nerve that we use to control that muscle, the therapy could differ. So after this type of surgery, therapy is absolutely necessary. So we're talking like six months, eight months that, you know, it it takes quite a while for everything to start working again. Um, 
And uh, how about long term? I mean, is this a, you know, once they do start getting functioning, is this something that only lasts for a while or is this the rest of your life? Generally, I would say about the one to two year mark. That's kind of what you know, what your final result will be after the muscle transfer. Okay. The good part is, is that what you get then is what you get for life. You know, oh, anything wow. crazy aside. Oh, okay. By the two year two year mark, that's that's what you get. Well, this sounds like a pretty serious procedure. And I think that, you know, on people's minds, it's not just the recovery or the results, but, you know, can they afford it? Is this type of procedure, you know, considering, you know, you're, you work with plastic surgeons and stuff, and we know that sometimes those aren't covered. Is this covered by insurance? Yes, this is a functional operation. This affects people's quality of life. This is something that it should be and is covered by insurance. And if if insurance cover insurance carriers deny it, we would try to write letters of prior authorization to support the costs wow. to undergo this type of surgery. And so, as always, you know, check, call your people, et cetera. But the, it's good to know that this is is something that's typically covered. So, what can a patient expect for their outcomes? I think that that's always really important when we talk about a procedure, right? Like. Is are they going to smile the same as they did before? Are they can they expect a improvement in life? Uh, you know what what when you're talking to a patient, what are the typical you know outcomes that you know you can confidently have them expect? Good long term outcomes after this include improved symmetry with smile. It's not going to be perfectly symmetric, but normally patients come to us and they can't even raise that side of their face at all. They can't even raise that side of the mouth. And just by gaining at least three millimeters or more of motion at the corner of the mouth, that really improves that smile. The vast majority of patients can expect that. vast majority of patients also experience a much improved quality of life too after this type of surgery. Or such as improved facial symmetry, which helps with social interactions with other people and makes them feel more whole because they've regained that function that they lost. That's got to mean so much to some patients. And so it sounds like this is quite a procedure, but can have some really, really impactful outcomes for certain patients. So I want to ask if, say, a patient or a loved one is listening right now and they're experiencing this facial paralysis and it's been a while, and but they might be concerned with the surgery and whether or not to go through with it. What is something with your experience that you could tell them or say to them to, you know, give them a peace of mind if this is an option uh, worth looking into? This is a safe operation and it's effective in terms of, A, improving that smile, that symmetry, and B, it's effective in terms of improving quality of life, helping out with social interactions, uh, helping out with mental health. Have a question about a medical procedure? Want to learn more about a health condition? With over 2,000 interviews with our physicians and specialists, there's a pretty good chance you'll find what you want to know. Check it out at thescoperadio.com.